Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, here we are. This is the final week of the Battle for Your Mind, a four-week teaching series we have been doing through the month. And uh, if you've not heard the last three, I want to encourage you to go back and catch up. I know that for many of you, this has been a real significant series. We looked at first week about the mind, how amazing the mind is, that your invisible thoughts can change your physical brain. It can actually affect the way you think, and the way you think affects the way you live. And then we looked about taking every thought captive, about taking control, taking back control, being self-controlled in our thought life. And the last time we talked about saying no to negativity, recognising if we want to have a positive life, it starts with our positive thoughts. And it's not trying to fix our thoughts, but fixing our eyes on Jesus and seeing our circumstances through Jesus and not seeing Jesus through our circumstances. Hope you found that was helpful. Now, I know I've had lots of feedback and someone in the church, a a friend of mine called Ben Smith, wrote a poem or a spoken word about some of his learning around the battle for your mind. And he shared it with me a couple of weeks ago. I said, this was great, Ben. Can we show it on a Sunday? And so the amazing team here at Freedom Church have pulled together um, a a spoken word video uh, which has been presented by Eve Ibbert. And have a look at this now, just to hear a bit of someone's story as they learnt about how we battle for our mind. My grace is enough for you. My grace is enough for you. My mind is a storm. Children are dying with cancer. Countries are starving. Others at war. The pandemic is getting closer. Numbers are rising. There are fuel shortages, driver shortages, MPs being stabbed in the street. The NHS is overwhelmed. Racism, global warming, animals are dying, becoming extinct. Plastic, plastic, plastic. Am I recycling enough? And have I put it in the right bin? The walls are closing in. I pray to God to take it away. He says, my grace is enough for you. But I can't hear it. But I can't hear it. My mind is a storm. My wife's mental health is suffering. My mum's been rushed to A&E with an accelerated heartbeat. My dad can't leave the house and I can't get my kids off technology. One of my friends has got depression and the others are getting divorced. Prices are rising, we can't get supply. What if the business goes quiet? How will I pay for everything? The staff will lose their jobs and I can't fix any of it. So I pray to God, where are you? Please make it all better. He says, my grace is enough for you. But I can't feel it. My mind's in a storm. The waves of my negative thoughts crushing me. I'm out of control. I breathe, but the torrents of panic keep coming. Set after set, drowning me. My heart is racing, my arms tingling, the weight of the ocean on my chest. I can't breathe. 
I pray to God to take it away. He says, my grace is enough for you. But I can't see it. I get up early, go to the place I've prayed a thousand prayers. As I settle into silence, I connect with my breath. I whisper a prayer. Dear Father God, how is your grace enough for me? A still small voice answers, you have to receive it. My body rushes as I feel a sense of freeing clarity. I can feel it. The storm in my mind recedes, the pain in my chest softens, the tingling in my arms subsides as I watch the overwhelming thoughts drift by like clouds in the sky. I can see it. I understand it. I'm saved by grace through faith. I put on my full armour of God. I feel grounded, confident, renewed, calm, present in the presence of God. I learnt that like Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, God won't always make my problems go away or make my difficult situations lesser, but he will always give me his grace to deal with them better. Life is very different once you know that you have that kind of knowledge, like you're not alone, that God is with you by your side. He gives you peace through the storm that's within you. I'm overwhelmed by the gift of God's never-ending grace. I know I don't deserve it. It's the greatest gift I've ever received, and for that I will be eternally grateful. Thank you, Father God, for saving me, for our relationship, for your abundant grace. When I couldn't see the good in myself, thank you for seeing it in me. Thank you, Father God, thank you. Yeah, we can. Round of applause in the studio. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Evie's here in the studio and she's been singing today, but she presented that. And Jordan's in our control room. Thank you so much for that beautiful and well said, Ben, who I know is a regular online viewer of, of Freedom Church. Thank you for contributing to this piece around the battle for your mind, that even though we can feel like we're in a storm, God's grace is enough for each one of us. Powerful words. I encourage you maybe later on to go back and to listen to that again. Or if you're watching on Catch Up, I guess you can just rewind and do that now if you want to do that. But anyway, we're going to finish off. This is the final session on the battle for your mind. And this week I want to talk about there is an alternative to our anxious thoughts. There is an alternative to our anxious thinking. There is something else that we could do. Now, I know when it comes to anxiety, it's a big subject, but let me just take it just back a few notches. And I remember when I was younger, when I was a child, I was petrified of dogs. Yes, 
The small dog, big dog, didn't matter what size of dog they were, if it was a dog and it made any kind of noise, I was jumping into my parents' arms or gripping onto their leg as if the leg would stop the dog, but I would hide behind their legs, frightened of anything that looked like a dog. I wouldn't go to people's houses if they have a dog. I would go across the other side of the street if a dog was coming my way. I was petrified. My parents' solution to my childhood trauma, we got a dog. Yes, we had a puppy, came and joined our family, and that seemed to have cured me pretty much, although now we have a slightly mental dog, and I think I'm getting fearful of dogs all over again. That's another story. And I remember one of my uh, children, when they were younger, they were fearful of balloons, completely petrified of balloons. So here's how it used to go. We'd get an invitation from a school friend to come to their birthday party. So Lottie and I would ring up the parent of said birthday child and say, strange request, but um, are you going to be having balloons at this birthday party? And when, like most parents, they said, yes, we were planning to have balloons. They're a cheap version of a decoration for our children's family party. We'd have to say, thank you, but Zach won't be attending. And I've just gone and oh, dumped him in it. There we go. <laughs> trying to keep that on secret, but we haven't got away with it. He's sitting right here. I caught his eye. And, and, and we had to kind of go, sorry, we won't be making the party. I am so sorry. And it wasn't just balloons. There was other things as well. But it was just like going, that, that fear that can grip us. But the truth is we can talk about childish and seemingly foolish things but I know for all of us in this last season, it's been a time of challenge. I've had moments myself during the pandemic and I've been talking to friends of mine who lead churches, about people who've led organisations in this last 18 months, I know have been under huge pressure. When you carry responsibility and you're responsible for other people, what decisions do I make? What do I do? I know church pastors who say, I've just walked away. I've stepped down. I can't do this anymore. It's too much. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead well. And I've had moments where I've been looking for the kind of, where's the exit from this? I don't know what decisions to make, where to go with this. I don't know where we're going to go next. How people are saying, what are we going to do? When are we going to meet? How are we going to do it? I don't no, and there have been days I just wanted to kind of put my head on the duvet and just hope it all goes away. But I know that for others, this is a real issue. I know in talking to those health professionals, they're saying they are seeing anxiety and mental health uh, on a scale like never before, that beds are full in our local hospitals, that there are eating disorders amongst teenagers. We are seeing anxiety at levels that, that have really just been never seen. And whether that's the pandemic, whether that's society we live in, whether that's social media, we don't know, but we do know we are a more fearful society than ever before. It's a real challenge to us. And I wonder if you can relate to some of the stories I've been telling. Whether for you they feel like foolish, irrational fears. One thing I've learned is this, it's never foolish or irrational to the person who's experiencing those fears or those anxious thoughts or those worries. Or maybe for you it's something significant. It's something life-threatening. Or maybe you're worried about, can I control my future? Will I get the right grade to get into university or to get into college? Or, or what am I going to do about the challenges I'm facing around my weight increasing through lockdown and through this season? Maybe someone's giving you a funny look and you can't get out of your head and you think, what is their problem with me? Maybe you sent somebody a text and there's that kind of strange image, that kind of, you know, the, the whirling image, and you're thinking, they're not replying. They're not replying. As my children say, they've aired you, apparently. That's what you say, or, or left you on red. And you can see they're trying to reply, and then it disappears. You think, oh, 
they're not talking to me. And that's worried you and that's filled your mind. Maybe there's been busy days at work, stress in the office. Maybe a recent conversation with an elderly parent, you realise they are more ill than they have let on to you. Maybe that moment your heart sinks when the boss calls you into the office on Monday morning, you think, what have I done now? The idea that life may not turn out as you expected, that you may not succeed the way you'd hoped, we are, can all be filled with worry and anxious thoughts. But what does the Bible say about this? And the good news is it does have a lot to say about anxious thinking. Philippians 4, remember we read this last week, this is the book, or one of the books that Paul the Apostle wrote while in prison in Rome. And in Philippians 4, verses 6, he says these words, Don't, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things and the God of peace will be with you. Really helpful advice. He's saying, don't be anxious. Pray. Come and bring it all to God. And then he will give you a peace that passes all practical understanding. And think about good things. And God will be with you you. I wish it was so simple that we can read a scripture and it just flicks a switch inside of us. The truth is we are much more complex people and I've been doing some science, scientific study. Are you ready for my limited knowledge of science? It's a dangerous game isn't it? Somebody with a limited amount of knowledge. But I've learned about this thing called the amygdala and the amygdala which is Greek for um, like almond shape or almond looking item is part of our brain that's the size and shape of an almond. Uh, or do you say almond? Almond, almond? Almond. Almond's in the, in the studio, okay. We've got almond, we've got a, now we've got a fight going on here. I wish I'd never said anything. But in the middle of our brain, right at the top of our brain, it's right in the centre, is this thing called the amygdala. And the amygdala is like the, um, is the emotional uh, survival response part of our brain. It's the fight or flight. When we face uncertainty, it helps us make a decision, do I react? or do I run? And that's in each one of us. When I see a dog and I'm scared of dogs, I just think, I don't want that, I'm going, I'm heading off, I'm going as far away as I can from what looks like danger to me in my small child mind. But another part of our brain is called the prefrontal cortex. And that's the bit of the front and around the sides of our brain, the prefrontal cortex. And this is that the, the logical part, the considered part of our brain. It's where we think things through more carefully. And so almost inside of your brain, there's this, there's this fight going on, literally a fight going on between a reactionary, what am I gonna do, and a thought through. Let's just think about this for a moment. I'm convinced some of us probably have larger amygdalas or larger prefrontal cortexes, depends how we're wired. And I'm aware in our studio, we've got a few medical people, so I might be in trouble after I've finished speaking, we'll see. But, it, but here you go, here's a bit of an example that happened to Lottie and I recently. Um, it was middle of the night and um, Lottie woke me up at like three in the morning and said to me, and I feel a bit sorry because this is my son, Zach, again. She said to me, she said, Zach, Zach's car, someone is stealing Zach's car. And she was like worrying about Zach's car. 
and her amygdala was going crazy. She's going, it's a problem, we need to go, you need to go, get up and sort out whoever's out there stealing his car. My prefrontal cortex said, it's a 30-year-old Japanese car that he's been repairing for quite some months and needs a lot more work doing to it. Do not worry, nobody in their right mind would want to steal his car. I roll over, go to sleep, Lottie's looking out the window trying to spy people stealing his car. The next morning, I put, turn on my phone and there's a report in the local Facebook group that somebody was going around Romsey and stealing catalytic converters from old Japanese cars. <laughs> I go and I check and yes, his car has been damaged and yes, Lottie saw the people driving away and heard the noise. Sometimes the amygdala is a good part of our brain's equipment. It reminds us there is danger, there is risk, there is something to be aware of. And sometimes our prefrontal cortex can over-exaggerate, maybe trying to keep things calm. But this is all part of how we're made up. We have two parts of our brain, or more than that, but they're two ex sort of ways of explaining how it works. And how do we respond to that? In the story of Elijah, Elijah has this moment where he has seen God move in great power. He saw fire come down from the heavens through a prayer to God. He saw the prophets of Baal scattered and saw great success. But suddenly there's this moment where logic says he's in a great place. You know, that the God of the heavenlies is on his side. But Queen Jezebel, one of the most evil people to live, said, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And it says he ran for his life. He was in fear and anxiety. He was worrying of what was going to happen. His amygdala was going crazy. And in 1 Kings 19, he says this, I have had enough, Lord. I'm done. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. He's comparing himself to dead people. That's not a good place to be. And he's just like, I'm, I'm finished. I'm finished. I mean, I cannot keep going the way I am going. And then there's this beautiful moment where the angel of the Lord ministers to him and gets him to have a sleep and have some food. I think a lot of us who are feeling worried about the future sometimes could do really well by just getting more rest and eating better. And the angel does it twice. Now have another sleep, now have some more food. And then he meets with God. He encounters God in a fresh way. He eats, he sleeps, and he meets God. And God takes him to a cleft in the rock and he passes him by and he goes past him. And there's a, the storm and there's the loud and there's the kind of the noise. And then there's the whisper. And it says in 1 Kings that God whispers to Elijah that Elijah leans into God and experiences him in a new way as God whispers to him. And I want to say to us today that if you are feeling anxious about the future, if you are feeling full of worry and uncertainty, that there is an alternative to our anxious thinking. And that is, you know what? Yeah, practical things like rest and sleep and eating well, but leaning into God, encountering God in a fresh way, way, saying, God, I feel exhausted. I am done. I cannot do this in my own strength. And we just say, God, would you take over? In Psalm 23, the writer of the Psalms, David, writes this about God. It's the most famous of Psalms. And I've got it here in the New King James Version. I think that's probably how I was taught it when I was a child. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, sorry, I'll fear no evil, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Six verses, a short psalm, but I think really powerful if you're facing challenges today. If you're thinking is really you're struggling with your thought life, then I want to encourage you to read Psalm 23. Just at the beginning there, verse one, Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need or I shall not want. If you are a follower of Jesus today, I want to say that God has got you. He has got all that you need. I know we think we can fix ourselves, but trust me, the best person to fix you is the one that made you. And God is saying, I am with you. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I shall not want. And then in verse four, I find this interesting. He says, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say as you walk into the valley of the shadow of death, you're walking through it. And maybe you're feeling like you're in a tough season right now, but I wanna say that if God has brought you to it, he will take you through it. And the valley is a tough place to be in, but God isn't gonna keep you there. He wants to take you through the valley because he's got a plan for you and a purpose for you. And he wants to, as you see in verse five, to prepare this table in the presence of your enemies. And for the context of this talk, I wanna suggest to you that those enemies are our worry, our anxiety, our panic, our thought life around uncertainty. As we kind of almost, things get out of control and we've, we've heard the news in recent times. If we're not careful, we can read and we can see and we can look at our TV screens and our apps and suddenly, what is going to happen next? And it can overtake us. And God is preparing a table of food in the presence of our enemies. They are real and they are near, but they are not sat at the table. God and you are sat together at the table. There's a table for two. And here's the challenging piece for all of us. There's a phrase I came across recently, which I found so powerful. Don't let the enemy have a seat at your table. God has laid the table for you and yet so often worry pulls up a chair, anxiety pulls up a chair, uncertainty pulls up a chair, panic pulls up a chair. The table wasn't laid for them, the table was laid for you and God to be in community with one another and yet so often we allow other things to pull up a chair. Don't let the enemy have a seat at your table. So then how do we alternate our thinking? How do we change our thinking? How do we find different ways to manage our thought life? And I want to say this to you, and this is a response that we need to learn as followers of Jesus. And this is, you know, we can, we can share practical things, and I'll mention a few practical things in just a moment. But as, as a church leader, as a church pastor, I want to say the most important thing you can do if you are struggling right now is turn your attention to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
He is the one that you, gives you a solid rock. He will protect you like a mother hen protects her chicks, the Bible tells us. God is the God who is reliable, who is the same yesterday, today and forever. That's who I want to put my dependence on. And to do this, we can declare the truth, the truth of who God says we are, understanding our identity that we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And if we really get that, we would walk with our heads held high, knowing who we belong to. That God is our Father, a perfect Father who loves us and cares us and doesn't want no harm to come to us. And it puts the enemy into perspective as the Father of all lies, which we've already talked about. Romans 8 says this, I'm convinced that nothing... Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. That cannot separate us. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. We cannot be disconnected from God's love through the fears of today nor the worries of tomorrow. God is with you. And I want to say to you as, as people of Freedom Church who are watching today, I want to say, Give your attention to Jesus. Focus on Jesus, not on your anxious thoughts. Remember that first scripture you read from Philippians 4, to do not be anxious about anything, but bring in every situation by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. If you focus on Jesus and bring him your needs and hand them over to him, it will change the way you see the challenges you're facing. Now, this may sound like, are oh, you trying to make it a quick fix, a, a spiritual plaster of prayer? Oh, I suppose we could do that. Listen, prayer is not our last line of defence. I struggle when I think in a Western world, we often think we can try everything else first of all. We'll try the pills, we'll try the medicine, we'll try the experts, we'll try Google, we'll try whatever we can, we'll try TikTok. And then we'll go, oh, maybe I could pray about that. It's not the last line of defence, it should be the first step of our attack, of, at our attack. If you're struggling with your thought life, I want to say to you the response is to turn to God with our prayer life, to give him our attention. Now this literally blew my mind and it might blow, you, blow yours as well. Here we go. So some of you know I've been reading the book by Dr. Caroline Leaf called Switch On Your Brain. And in her book, she's a neuroscientist, but also a neurotheologian, theology of the brain, of how the brain works. And she found out this through um, a, a scientific study. It has been found, I'm quoting here, it has been found that if 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent it can be measured on a brain scan. I'd like a little woo in the studio, please, because that's, I mean, seriously... If you pray every day for a period of time, it will change the physical shape of your brain. Wow. Prayer changes things, literally changes things. But prayer does change the world we live in. It affects the things around us. It affects who we are and who we're becoming. And I encourage you to be people of prayer if you're struggling with worry in your thought life. Then other things as well, such as reading or memorising, reciting scripture. It was good enough for Jesus when he was tempted by the devil. He, you know, the devil came and he quoted things and Jesus said, no, it's not right, the man should live by bread alone. He quoted scripture back to the devil when he was trying to tempt him. 
and we can do the same to take every thought captive and to learn different scriptures like that one from 2 Corinthians 10. Or maybe for you it's playing worship music and putting on music in your car or, uh, you know, maybe playing an instrument or if you can't play an instrument to sing worship music, even if you can't sing to shout worship, whatever works for you. And I know in talking to a member of our church recently who's been struggling with an issue of mental health and recovering, they said the most helpful thing they went through was to sit at their piano and to play old hymns. And that brought them some of the most health to their recovery as they just worshipped God through playing an instrument. And I encourage you to find different ways to uh, spend time with God, whether that's long walks in the countryside, adoring creation, going along the beach, seeing the sea. Uh, the psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. As we get into nature, some of us kind of just experience something fresh of God. Maybe for you it's sitting quietly in front of a, a roaring fire. Maybe it's sitting with friends around a table having great food and laughter. Maybe you need some extra support or help and we've got a Kintsugi Hope uh, course starting the new year, which I know that we'd love you to join in on that. That'll be helpful to you to, to meet with others who are facing some of these challenges. And I'd always say this to you as well. If you are struggling with your thought life and worry and anxiety, I would encourage you, to identify what is the truth that God says about you. And if you're not sure, contact me. I'll give you a list of scriptures that will help you in some of this. But to identify the truth, to write it down, to speak it out, to confess it, until it's something that resonates within you, to retrain and renew our mind. Let's get the worship team back up as I wrap up what we're doing today. I know this is a big challenge. This is not something we can just fix but I am believing that people who are made in the image of God are best healed when we push into God and we discover him. Don't let the enemy have a seat at your table. Give Jesus your attention through your prayer life and it will affect your thought life. Don't let the enemy pull up a chair. Say, no, we're not doing that today. This table is for two. It's for me and for God and we're spending our time together. 1 Peter 5 says these words, Give all your worries and cares or anxiety in the NIV version to God for he cares about you. Cast all your burdens, throw all your worries and your cares, your anxiety to God. He cares for you. God is interested in you. Um, can I encourage you to stand wherever you are watching this from? Uh, in all of our locations, Abbotswood, Abbey Hall, Bracefield. Love you to stand. You're watching online. You can stand if you want to in your homes. And I just want to say, um, to encourage you to cast your worries onto God. Maybe even now you can just start to, you know, close your eyes and just to focus your attention on God and give Him your worries. What is it you're really plaguing your thoughts right now? To give Him all your cares, your worries, your anxiety and give them to God. What would it look like if Freedom Church was free from worries, cares, anxiety? because we'd fully cast them onto Jesus. Let me just, I want to pray a short prayer as we wrap this up. But I'd like you to speak it with me, if that's okay. So I want you to use one line and then you reply to that line, if that's okay. It's just three lines. And it's this. Dear God, I commit to do what I can do. If you could say that after me. I commit to do what I can do. 
I give to you what I can't do. I give to you what I can't do. And lastly, I trust you with the outcome. I trust you with the outcome. Amen. Amen. Lord, I pray all across Freedom Church that we be a church that we committed to doing all that we can do in finding a healthier thought life. That as we battle with our mind, we would give you all that we can't do and trust you with the outcome. No matter what, that's our prayer, Lord God. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Freedom Church. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.